1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just sung these words, these truths as our mind has been drawn to the cross of Christ, even that last song as we sang those questions, what must I do to be saved? Is there not a power that can break every chain? And yet even in that same song, we confess the answer, yes, there is. It's not in our works. It's not in anything that we can do. It is in Christ alone. And we rejoice this evening, Father, in that reality that our hope is not in us. Our hope is in Christ It's in his body that was broken. It's in his blood that was spilt. It's in the promises that he has made and that he will fulfill. And even this evening, as we turn our attention to this passage, we pray that your spirit will work through it for your glory. That you would remind us. That you would bring those of us who have strayed back to yourself. You would call to remembrance who we are in Christ. That you would be lifted up and honored. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11 will be verse 23 to 34. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, Took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. We're in the middle of our series on Sunday night, working through, looking at the church. We've seen what the the church is, the foundation of the church. We've seen the makeup of the church. 
That the church is not for, for perfect people, but the church is for the redeemed. It's for those who are in Christ. We've seen the, the purpose of the church. We, we've looked at, uh, we started last week, two weeks ago, Dr. Rathbun took us through the first ordinance of the church. Baptism. As we come this evening, we look at the second ordinance of the church, the Lord's Supper. I think it's important first, before we jump in this, into this, to define what an ordinance is. Sometimes we use big words and we don't define it, and, and a lot of people don't even know what we're talking about. So an ordinance is a symbolic rite, a practice commanded by Christ during his earthly ministry. It is a practice that pictures the gospel. We see that in baptism, do we not? Romans chapter 6. In baptism, we are identifying with Christ, and the picture is, we stand there, we, we profess our faith, our identification with Christ, we go under the water, we have died, and we come up new, to newness of life, risen like Christ. It's a picture of the gospel. Let's come to 1 Corinthians 11 this evening, we'll see that this also, the Lord's Supper, is also a picture of the gospel. These are the two ordinances that the Lord gave us. Baptism is a one-time thing. The Lord's Supper, as you see in this passage, is an ongoing thing as often as you do this. It's something that we continually do. And we'll see that as we look at this passage this evening, even in the purpose of it. So as we look at 1 Corinthians 11 this evening, we're going to see the practice and the purpose. The practice of the Lord's Supper and the purpose of the Lord's Supper. The practice, or what it is that we do, and the purpose, or why it is that we do it. Paul here is talking, writing, obviously, to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians. And there's been an issue in this church. They have not done this rightly. They've not taken this seriously. And so Paul starts in verse 23 with this section. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I have told you this. I myself delivered this to you. That phrase, I received from the Lord, is interesting. It's, it's literally, he received this from the Lord. In fact, most conservative Bible scholars will agree that 1 Corinthians was written before any of the other Gospels, or any of the Gospels. Paul here is not going off of what something else is written, he's, has written. He's going off what God himself has told him. In fact, here in 1 Corinthians 11, we have the first record of the institution of the Lord's Supper in the Bible. Obviously, it was a practice already. It was something they were aware with. Paul is writing to them saying, you know this. I've delivered this to you. But this is the first time it's been written down. So what is it? What is it that Paul has delivered to them? What did he tell them? Well, it goes on in verse 23, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed. I want to pause there again. We see first, it's instituted by Christ as the Lord Jesus who has done this. But we also see when it happened. 
It happened on the same night in which he was betrayed. That's an interesting thing to think about. In fact, several of the Gospels include the, the institution of the Lord's Supper. It's in Matthew. It's in Luke 22. And in Luke 22, specifically, is noted that Judas was there. In fact, at the end of that passage in Luke 22, 7 to 20, right after Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he says, and the hand of my betrayer is on the table. Judas is there. He's looking at him as he is instituting this. As he is saying, this is my body which is broken. This is my blood which is spilt. And his betrayer is sitting there. Another thing that this does by telling us when this is going on, the same night in which he was betrayed, gives us a glimpse into what is going on in the Lord's Supper, the greater picture of it in the context of the Bible. Because something else that Luke 22 tells us is that that night, when he was betrayed, they were observing the Passover. The Passover, as, as, as explained in Exodus 12, 1 to 14, specifically Exodus 12, Verses 12 to 13. You may remember the circumstances around this. There's been the plagues on Egypt, and Moses has gone before Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh has time and time again said, no, he's refused. And it comes down to the final plague. And in Exodus 12, God explains what to do. They're to take a lamb. They're to slaughter that lamb. They're to take its body to eat of the meat, to dispose of the rest, burn it up in fire. And then they're to take the blood of that lamb and they're to put it on their doorpost. Why? Because that night, death is coming. And death passes over those who are covered in the blood. And as you come to verses 12 and 13, it says this, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The Passover. We see salvation from the plague through the blood of the Lamb. Not just deliverance from the plague, but even deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And I think that's important to note. Because the Lord's Supper is also a reminder. It's a reminder of a better lamb that was slain. Of a greater deliverance. 
as we'll see as we work through these verses. Deliverance not just from slavery in Egypt, deliverance from sin and death. That those who are covered by the blood are saved. The picture in the Passover and the picture in the Lord's Supper are the same picture. Just on a much grander scale. I think it's important to note that. I think there's a reason why Paul tells us exactly which night this takes place on. It helps us to see this picture, to understand in a greater sense what is going on here. So verse 24 goes on, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body. This is me, all of me given for you. We saw this this week and last week as we're in John chapter 10. where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. This is my body. It's not just his, his bones and his skin that he's talking about. He's talking about himself This is me. This is my life that is given for you. So as we are looking at the practice of the Lord's Supper, this is the bread. As we take that bread, as we remember, as we praise the Lord for that, we're remembering Christ who died for us. The good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. It goes on in verse 25. And we'll come back to that phrase, this student remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's not a new way of salvation. It is the way of salvation. It's not the Old Testament a covenant of works, the New Testament a covenant of grace. There is one way of salvation. And it's through the blood of Christ. The Old Testament, they believed and looked forward. We believe and look back. This is the fulfillment of all of the shadows and the longings and the promises of the Old Testament. All of those that were looking forward to salvation. It is his blood that ratifies once and for all this new covenant. No more does blood have to be shed year in and year out. There is one sacrifice. There is blood that covers every sin. And it is Jesus Christ. So as we come together, as we take the bread, 
We praise the Lord for that. We remember his life that was given for us. And we take the cup. We remember his blood that cleanses us from every sin. His blood that covers us. Verse 26 goes on, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, as often as you observe the Lord's Supper, you're making a proclamation. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. As often as you do this, so the practice, what do we do? We take the cup, bread, we take the cup, we remember in these things, and we do it as often as we do it. It's a continued thing. It's something we come back to time and time again. But also notice the warning in verse 27 through the end of the chapter. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, whoever does this, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Whoever does this in an unworthy manner, there is a right way to do this. It's important to observe the Lord's Supper, but it's important to observe it rightly. An unworthy manner could be several things, and for many of us, it's probably different things. An unworthy manner could be having the wrong motives. It could be looking to communion or the Lord's Supper and, 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 and putting your hope in that. It could be thinking that, that you are getting grace, that doing this somehow makes you good with God. It's not the sign that takes away your sin. It's what the sign points to. You could come to this table viewing it as a mindless ritual. Taking this cup, taking this bread without thought, without emotion. Just doing it because that's what you are supposed to do. That's taking it in an unworthy manner. Your mind should be engaged in the Lord's Supper. It could be that there is heart, that there is sin in your heart. It could be that, that, that there is a brother or a sister in the body of Christ with whom you have a problem. How can you remember what Christ has done for you rightly if you are purposefully holding on to sin in your life? It could be that there's an idol, something that you are holding on to. And if you do these things, if you take it unworthily, in an unworthy manner, you'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Dishonors not just the ordinance, it dishonors the one to whom it points. 
John MacArthur had a, had a neat, a good illustration, I thought, to explain this. He talked about the flag, the United States flag. You, you, you don't stomp on the flag, you don't burn the flag. Not because of that flag specifically that you are doing those things to, but because of what it represents. The same thing with the Lord's Supper. When you come here and you do it in an unworthy manner, when you don't engage your mind, when you don't worry about the sin that is in your heart, when you don't seek forgiveness, it's not just that you've wasted this moment. It's that you are dishonoring the one to whom it points. Therefore, let a man examine himself. Be honest with yourself. Look in your heart. Prepare yourself. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. As I mentioned before, in Corinth, this was a rampant problem. And there were many in the church who were sick. In fact, many who had died because of this. They were set forward as an example to the others. Look, you are not honoring this thing that God has given you. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastised by the Lord. But we may not be condemned with the world. It's interesting that this sickness, this death that has come upon them, is actually the grace of God. It shows them what they deserve, but they are not condemned. Rather, just chastised. This is the practice of the Lord's Supper. As we take the bread, as we take the cup, and as we do it rightly. But secondly, the purpose. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? First, we do it to remember. Go back with me to the beginning, verse 20, well, 24. When you've given thanks, you broke it. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Why do we do this? Do this in remembrance of me. Same thing is repeated. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We observe the Lord's table to remember. We remember what Christ has done for us in his incarnation, in his death. We remember his blood that was spilt for us, that has saved us from our sins. We remember. It is a memorial. We talked about before how we've worked our way through the book of Joshua and there are memorials all through the book of Joshua. All through the book, every time they do something, God says, set up a memorial so that you can remember, so that the generations after you can remember who I am and what I have done here. And 
It is what the Lord's Supper is. It is a memorial. As we come to this table, we remember. It's so that we will not forget, so that our children will not forget. Remember. It's an opportunity every time you do it to remember. Secondly, not just to remember, but to renew. In remembering, we have a chance to renew. That's verse 28. Let a man examine himself. When you come to this table, when you come to remember, examine yourself. We observe the Lord's table once a month. It's a great opportunity for you every single month to search your heart. You know it's coming. We do it on the same day every single month. You know it's coming. You know you're going to come to this table with your brothers and sisters in Christ of Altoona Regular Baptist Church. It's an opportunity to pause, to be honest with yourself, to renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity to set aside the sin that has crept in, to find forgiveness, to run back to the cross, not just to remember the cross, but to return to the cross once again. As you remember, to once again fall before God and find hope, find forgiveness, find renewal. It's an opportunity to remember. It's an opportunity to renew as you examine yourself. And it is an opportunity to rejoice. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. As you remember what's been done in the past, what Christ has done for you, you proclaim that till he comes, till the future. You remember what he's done. You have a chance to look within yourself, to renew, and then you rejoice at what is coming. You rejoice at your faithful God and his promises that will be fulfilled. You proclaim, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And I think it's interesting to note that the Lord's Supper is meant to be done in community. I'm not just remembering for myself. I'm not just having this opportunity to, to renew. I'm not just rejoicing in myself. I'm rejoicing with a body. We are rejoicing together. It's as often as we come together. It's not just personal. It's communal. There's a reason why. When we weren't meeting for several months during uh, last semester, because of coronavirus, there's a reason why we didn't just 
mail the elements to you and say, do it at home. That's not the purpose. It's meant to be done in the body. It's meant to be done in community. I remember and we remember. As I remember, I call you to remember with me. If there is sin in me and you know it, you can call me out on it. As we come to this table, you, you, and, and we partake of this together, you are a witness of my proclamation in this. And so later this month, if I fall into sin, you can come to me and you can say, remember what you said. And remember what you're going to have an opportunity to say again in just a few weeks. And we rejoice together. We rejoice together at our, our Lord who is coming again. And we proclaim together his death until he comes. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's a privilege to come to this table, to gather together, to take these elements together. And I, I hope that it does not become just a ritual that you go through. I hope that you will engage your mind and your emotions, that you will pause, that you will remember, that you will prepare yourself as you come to this table, that you will be honest with yourself, that you will be honest with God. He knows your heart. It's necessary, too. It's assumed that you will come to this table. We must come to this table. We must come together. We need the reminder. Before we transition to the Lord's table this evening, we're going to sing.